This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, direct our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our ears towards you, Lord, that we may uh, know you more and love you more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm not entirely sure we're going to come up with better answers than the kids did, but we will give it a try. So last week, if you were here, I suspect that you definitely remember Father Alex's sermon. And if you're a normal person, people are laughing, so you remember. People, uh, if you're a normal person, which is not me, but if you're normal, you remember that he gave us this really great illustration about how to steward our time. And he did that by stacking some pretty large rocks in a container. And if you are a person with anxiety, like me, you remember that that container appeared to be glass. And you also remember that it was precariously balanced right here. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm afraid even to bring water up, actually, in plastic cups. So you remember it because Alex is really good, and I've seen him do this before. He's really gifted at using concrete examples to get across theological messages. And so he was talking about stewardship of our time, but today we're going to be talking about stewardship of our talents or our gifts. The thing that God gives us, indeed, as a gift for the edification of the body, for, as we said to the kids, for our delight, and so that that we can go out and serve our neighbor. So how do we steward those gifts? How do we care for this thing that actually is really a part of us, and yet we acknowledge that also it came from outside of us, that God gave it to us, and we have a responsibility to the way we were made and to the gifts that we have. So this morning, I want to look particularly at Romans 12, which is kind of a hinge passage in Paul's letter to the Romans. The first 11 chapters of Romans are pretty deep theology. If you've read Romans, you know it can be, I mean, it's amazing, and also it's very thought-provoking. You have to move slowly. And then in verse 12, he does a little bit of a shift where it seems now that we're going to talk about the practical application of that deep theology he's been talking about. And in chapter 12, he's looking particularly at how does this theology, how, how does any of this matter to the life of a Christian community? What does it matter to individual believers? So that's where we're coming into the letter to the Romans today. So the first thing I think we need to say about gifts is what I already said to the kids, but I think it's really important. And I want to look, we're going to skip around a little bit, but I want us to look particularly at verse 6. So in verse 6, we have, uh, we have Paul saying, and I want you to catch the little phrase at the end, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And so some of you are very well acquainted with your gifts, you're very confident in them, Praise the Lord. Some of you perhaps don't know what your gifts are. Some of you perhaps are in a moment in your life where you wonder if you have any gifts at all. But you must because Paul says so. It's just pretty simple. Uh, We all are gifted. And I want us to think about spiritual gifts. There's, There's kind of a proper list of spiritual gifts that we can find in the New Testament. 
One of the lists is contained in Romans 12, our epistle for today, but then the other two are in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his first letter to the Corinthians. And there's two more lists of spiritual gifts, and we'll say that those are spiritual gifts proper. So we wanna talk about those, and those are very important. Also, I think if we're gonna talk about God-given gifts, we maybe want to expand how we're thinking about it. Because yes, we will be given spiritual gifts by the Holy Spirit as we follow the Lord. That is true, we all, to each of us, will be given. But also, part of our gifting is like the way that our brains are made, and the things that we like, and the things that we don't like, and the ways that we communicate with one another. So I was just talking to a woman, I ran into a friend of mine, and she was so excited, she was about to do a spreadsheet. And I thought, well, praise the Lord, because I have never been excited, ever, about a spreadsheet. We are made differently. So we're talking about the spiritual gifts proper, but let's not exclude These natural giftings, the ways that we are made, are also a gift from God, and they can be a gift for others as well. So each of us is gifted. We are, in fact, and this is maybe the main point, is like you are the gift to the church. You are the gift to God. You are a gift to me. I am a gift to you. We're meant for one another. So each of us has a gift. We all have something to offer. And in the midst of this this um, conversation about spiritual gifts, Paul then utilizes imagery that he really likes. He uses, I think, at least five or six other times in his letters, this imagery of the body, of the community as body, as the body of Christ. And so from that imagery, what can we learn about stewarding our spiritual gifts? I think there's two really important things we can draw out from that imagery that he's using. The first is this. We have a gift and we have individual gifts and we all truly are different. We all have the artistic flourish of our creator. We are all a little bit different. But our gifts were not meant just for us. Gifts are so much more fun when they're shared. And that's part of what this body imagery leans into, that the spiritual gifts are meant to be relational. They're meant to be cooperative. A foot unattached from the body is horrifying and useless, right? Not any good to anybody. But a foot attached to the body suddenly can take us places. And that is how we ought to be thinking about our unique gifting is it's better when it's connected to the body. My gifting is magnified and amplified when it's connected to your gifting. That's just true. So we get that. So stewarding our gifts well means that we're doing it relationally. We're doing it with and for other people. The second thing that the body imagery tells us about that I think is really important is that it's a really good thing that we have different gifts. Yes, it leads to arguments. And yes, it leads to butting heads and having different opinions about how to do things because we see things differently. And actually, that's okay. Because again, and I'll go back to the feet metaphor, sorry if you don't like feet. Uh, Something that was made, like a body made entirely of feet, again, horrifying. (laughs) 
and also useless, once again. The body, our bodies work because there's diversity within them. The body of Christ works because there's diversity within us. And we know this, study after study about group intelligence says that a group does not get smarter by adding more smart people into the group. A group gets smarter by adding more diversity. That's just true. And so when we think about that, we realize that we all have an important role to play, and it doesn't particularly matter whether you're a foot or an earlobe or an eye, all of it has to work together. And it's working together, and this is just like a foundational statement, but I think because we complicate it, but why do we have these spiritual gifts? Well, it's, it's to love God and to love our neighbor. That is just, the instructions are so simple, and we make it really difficult sometimes, but that's why we have these gifts. And so as we share our gifts, our diverse gifts with the body of Christ, we find that it strengthens our body, the ascension body, right, is part of the body of Christ. We are a living organism. And as we strengthen one another, our capacity to love God and to reach out to our neighbor grows, which is, of course, the end game for Christians. So the body language shows us that we each, we each have a gift, we each play an important role, it's meant to be used together, and it's good that they're different, even if it doesn't feel that way sometimes. Now I wanna talk about this idea of diversity, because this leads us into where I think there are a couple pitfalls, things that can block us from stewarding our gifting well. And here's the first one. So we get our gift from the Lord, we unwrap it, we're very excited about it. And then our human nature takes over. It's the first thing we do. We look over at our neighbor's gift and we start to examine their gift. And perhaps we come to the conclusion that my gift is just a little bit better than their gift. I might know a little bit more than they do. Now, Paul got ahead of this because he understands human nature in verse three, before he talks about the body, he says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. He knows us, doesn't he? Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Because again, that's not the point of the gifting. Whether one's better or worse or more gifted or others, that's just not even the right framework to operate in. So when you're tempted to feel like, okay, maybe my gift's a little more important, remember Paul saying, do not think of yourself more highly. This really, this really reminds us also of our gospel reading for today from Mark, where the disciples were walking down the road and arguing about who's more important. And then they get to the house at Capernaum and Jesus says, what were you arguing about on the road? And they are silent. It's like when I call from the other room and say, you're not fighting, are you, to my children? and I get silence because of course they were fighting. They're always fighting. They're never not fighting right now, actually. And it, Jesus silences them because they also know that's not something that we fight about. Who's better? Who's more powerful? And in fact, of course, Jesus then flips the paradigm on its head. He brings this little child before them who in Roman society has nothing to commend it. It has nothing to offer. Right? Other than an heir, children are basically useless in Roman society. And he brings a child to them and he says, if you receive one of these, then you receive me. 
In other words, disciples, if you're not willing to serve, if you're not willing to get behind others and help their gifting and worry about them, if you're not willing to serve when there's nothing coming back in return, then you don't have me. You've missed the point, which is, of course, what happened on that road when they argued. We've missed the point. If we begin to think of ourselves as more important than we are in terms of our gifting, we've missed just the entire point. So that's the first thing that can go wrong. And by the way, the antidote to that is, of course, humility. It's just a little bit of humility, but not false humility. We also can cultivate that in Christian communities where a foot is like, not a very good foot. And you know what happens when a foot won't walk the way it's supposed to? The whole body is crippled. So pretending that you're not good at something you're good at doesn't help anybody. And that's not pride, that's just honesty. Right? So humility, but not false humility. The second problem that can come with our diversity of gifts is that we open our gift, we're very happy and excited, and then again, we look at our neighbor's gift, and uh-oh, their gift is better than ours. What do I do about that? Perhaps we find ourselves wishing that we had different gifts than we actually do have. Perhaps we feel, and I think this happens a lot, we end up feeling kind of ashamed, maybe at not being gifted enough, not feeling that we're talented enough, not feeling that we actually have that much to offer. I have been there. I had an interesting experience as I was coming up as a very new minister. I kind of did everything alongside a friend of mine who was also becoming a minister, and I just felt so inadequate compared to him. I really did. I kept looking over at his gifting and thinking, mine's just not as good as his. And one day, my spiritual director had had just absolutely enough of me. And she said, Lauren, she said, comparison language is not God's language. Comparison language is the enemy's language, and it's your sinful language, but it's not your heavenly Father's language. Well, that was really helpful, because spiritual directors are generally very helpful. That's right. Actually, in terms of evaluating other people's gifts, we need to just put blinders on. We need to know what they are and help people use them, but there is no comparison. God's not, there's no comparison game. And even if there were, the only people we're competing against is ourselves, really. So we don't need to compare. So Paul says it, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. So real judgment, true judgment, not, not, also not worse than you are either. That's how Paul says it. How my kid's kindergarten teacher says it is, you get what you get and you don't get upset. And if we all could live by that, wouldn't we be so much happier? Right? You get what you get and you don't get upset. And so how do we though, we've talked about how gifts are meant to function in the body and some pitfalls, but how do we actually employ them? How do we find out what they are? Well, I think to understand that, we need to go back up to the beginning of chapter 12. Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
So isn't it interesting that Paul begins a conversation about spiritual gifting by talking about what our true and proper worship is? And I think using our spiritual gifting is not all of our true and proper worship, but I think it is a significant part of it. Living into who we are and how God has made us is how we become a living sacrifice. I think we hear the word sacrifice and we immediately go to like Leviticus, blood, knives, pain, living before the Lord. And sometimes, yes, we will sacrifice to follow God. And that's just true. Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow after him. There will be pain. But I don't know if we talk enough about the fun. Following Jesus is super fun. It should be really freeing. It should be really joyful. And that's, I think, how we should live as we live into our gifting, is it should feel free. It should feel fun. So if you are doing something in ministry or for the church or for your neighbor, and you come home and complain about it every time, it might be time to reevaluate what you're doing. Because when we're working within our gifting, sometimes it's really hard. Some of you will know what I mean. Sometimes it can be really hard, but you're still having fun. It's still worth it. There's still nothing else you'd rather be doing. That's when you know you're within your gifting. So again, sometimes we do stuff outside our gifting because it's the right thing to do, because it's the loving thing to do in that moment. But I don't think it's something we want to be doing all the time. So my first recommendation is to be a living sacrifice is to be joyful. It is to be free. And so to utilize our gifting, we follow the fun, follow the freedom. That will lead you to how you've been gifted. And the second thing is just, just do it, right? The best way to figure out what you're gifted for is to try things. And Paul is so clear at the end of our passage for this morning. It's just the most practical advice. If you're given to serve, then, then serve. If you're a teacher, then you should teach. If you're an encourager, then be encouraging. If you're giving, then give generously, right? It's just such practical advice. Just do it. And I think we can be a community of grace here that allows people to try things out and have not be very good at them or decide, you know what, this isn't for me. I think we can hold that space for one another, right? So just try it out. And then my last recommendation, I do this with, I teach the Pittsburgh Fellows, and I do this with them every year, and every year they don't want to do it, and every year it ends up being the best thing they do. At the end of the year, I make them sit in a circle and I spotlight one of them and every person has to tell that person how they believe they are gifted. We can become so blinded to ourselves. We're so obtuse when it comes to ourselves. And that's why we live within community. So if you don't know what your gifting is, go find a wise Christian who knows you and ask them what they think. They might be wrong, but probably not. Because what I've seen happen in this group is that everybody ends up enjoying it and feeling encouraged. But some people have 16 other people say something about them that they had never realized, that they had never thought of. They just couldn't see it in themselves. So that's my very practical advice. If you're wondering where your gifting is, you're trying to figure out how to use it, 
Talk to the body of Christ. Talk to the people around you. Let them help you. It's such a joy, isn't it, when we can help people find the thing that brings them joy? How much fun is that, that we get to do that for each other? So friends, this gifted community, truly, what a gifted community we have here. I pray that we can continue to use all of our varied gifts, that we may love God and love our neighbor. And I'm gonna conclude with Colossians 3.17. It's not one of our passages, but it is perfect for this. So friends, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen.